We want to acknowledge that Carleton University and the other locations where we make this podcast are on traditional, unceded Algonquin territory. Welcome, everyone. This is the Department Podcast. My name is Phil Primo. Thank you to everyone who checked out our first Stories Edition episode. It means a lot to us. It was a lot of fun to produce, and we hope that you enjoyed it. On this episode, more stories narrated by myself and Billy Flynn. If you have stories, poems, short books, fantastical tales that you'd like us to narrate, please get into contact with us. Give us those great suggestions. Send us an email at info at departmentpodcast.ca or connect with us on Twitter at departmentpod. We look forward to hearing from you. The book I'm going to read for today's episode is The Lorax by Dr. Zeus. Here we go. At the far end of town where the grickle grass grows and the wind smells slow and sour when it blows and no birds ever sing excepting old crows is the street of the lifted Lorax. And deep in the grickle grass some people say if you look deep enough you can still see today where the Lorax once stood just as long as it could, before somebody lifted the Lorax away. What was the Lorax, and why was it there? And why was it lifted and taken somewhere, from the far end of town where the grass grows? The old Onceler still lives here. Ask him. He knows. You won't see the Onceler. Don't knock at his door. He stays in this lurkin, cold under the roof, where he makes his own clothes out of myth-muffered moof. And on special dank midnights in August, he peeks out of the shutters and sometimes he speaks and tells how the Lorax was lifted away. He'll tell you, perhaps, if you're willing to pay. On the end of a rope, he lets down a tin pail and you have to toss in 15 cents and a nail and the shell of a great-great-great-grandfather's nail. Then he pulls up the pail, makes a most careful count to see if you've paid him the proper amount. Then he hides what you paid him away in his snuff, his secret strange hole in his grovelous glove. Then he grunts, I will call you by whisper my phone, for the secrets I tell are for your ears alone. <sharp> Down schlups the whisper my phone to your ear, and old Wunstler's whispers are not very clear, since they have to come down to a snurgly hose, and he sounds as if he had smallish bees up his nose. Now I'll tell you, he says, with his teeth sounding grey, how the Lorax got lifted and taken away. It all started way back, such a long, long time back. Way back in the days when the grass was still green and the pond was still wet and the clouds were still clean and the songs of the swami swangs rang out in space, one morning I came to this glorious place and I first saw the trees, the truffula trees, the bright coloured tufts of the truffula trees, mile after mile in the fresh morning breeze. And under the trees I saw brown barbaloots frisking about in their barbaloot suits as they played in the shade and ate truffula fruits. From the rippleless pond came the comfortable sound of the humming fish humming while splashing around. 
But those trees, those trees, those truffula trees, all my life I've been searching for trees such as these. The touch of their tufts was much softer than silk, and they had the sweet smell of fresh buttery milk. I felt a great leaping of joy in my heart. I knew just what I'd do. I unloaded my cart. In no time at all, I had built a small shop. Then I chopped down a truffula tree with one chop. And with great skillful skill and with great speedy speed, I took the soft tuft and I knitted a thneed. The instant I'd finished, I'd heard a gazump. I looked. I saw something pop out of a stump of the tree I chopped down. I was sort of a man. Describe him? Mm, that's hard. I don't know if I can. He was shortish and oldish and brownish and mossy, and he spoke with a voice that was sharpish and bossy. Mister, he said with a sawdusty sneeze, I am the Lorax, I speak for the trees. I speak for the trees, for the trees have no tongues. And I'm asking you, sir, at the top of my lungs. He was very upset as he shouted and puffed. What's that thing you've made out of my truffle tuft? Look, Lorax, I said, there's no cause for alarm. I chopped just one tree, I'm doing no harm. I'm being quite useful. This thing is a thneed. A thneed's a fine something that all people need. It's a shirt, it's a sock, it's a glove, it's a hat. But it has other uses. Yes, far beyond that. You can use it for carpets, for pillows, for sheets, or curtains, or covers for bicycle seats. The Lorax said, Sir, you are crazy with greed. There is no one on earth who would buy that fool's thneed. But the very next minute I proved he was wrong. For just at that minute a chap came along and he thought that the thneed I had knitted was great. He happily bought it for 398. I laughed at the thorax. You poor stupid guy. You never can tell what some people will buy. I repeat, cried the Lorax. I speak for the trees. I'm busy, I told him. Shut up if you please. I rushed across the room and in no time at all built a radio phone. I put in a quick call. I called on my brothers and uncles and aunts and I said, Listen here, here's a wonderful chance for the whole Wunster family to get mighty rich. Get over here fast. Take the road to North Nitch. Turn left at Weehawken, turn right at South Snitch. And in no time at all in the factory I built, the whole Wunster family was working full tilt. We were all knitting thneeds, just as busy as beads, to the sound of the chopping of truffle trees. Then, Oh baby, oh how my business did grow, now chopping one tree at a time was too slow. So I quickly invented my super axe hacker, which whacked off four truffle trees at one smacker. We were making thneeds four times as fast as before, and that Lorax, he didn't show up anymore. But the next week he knocked on my new office door. He snapped, I'm the Lorax who speaks for the trees, which you seem to be chopping as fast as you please. But I'm also in charge of the brown barbaloots who played in the shade in their barbaloot suits and happily lived eating truffle fruits. No, thanks to your hacking my trees to the ground, there's not enough truffle fruit to go around and my poor barbaloots are all getting the crummies because they have gas and no food in their tummies. They love living here, but I can't let them stay. They have to find food, and I hope that they may. Good luck, boys, he cried, and he sent them away. I, the monster, felt sad as I watched them all go. But business is business, and business must grow, regardless of crummies and tummies, you know. I meant no harm. I most truly did not, but I had to grow bigger. So bigger I got. I biggered my factory. I biggered my roads. I biggered my wagons. I biggered the loads of the thneeds I shipped out. I was shipping them forth to the south, to the east, to the west, to the north. I went right on biggering, selling more thneeds, and I biggered my money, which everyone needs. Then again he came back. I was fixing some pipes when that old nuisance Lorax came back with more gripes. I am the Lorax, he coughed and he whiffed. He sneezed and he snuffled, he snargled, he sniffed. 
Wensler, he cried with a cruffless croak. Wensler, you're making such smogulous smoke. My poor swammy swams while they can't sing a note. No one can sing who has smog in his throat. And so, said the Lorax, please pardon my cough. They cannot live here, so I'm sending them off. Where will they go? I don't hopefully know. They may have to fly for a month or a year to escape from the smog you've smogged up around here. What's more, snapped the Lorax. His dander was up. Let me say a few words about gluppity glup. Your machinery chugs on day and night without stop. Making gluppity glup, also schlippity schlop. And what do you do with this leftover goo? I'll show you, you dirty old onceler man you. You're glumping the pond where the humming fish hummed. No more can they hum for their gills are all gummed. So I'm sending them off. Oh, their future is dreary. They'll walk on their fins and get woefully weary in search of some water that isn't so smeary. And then I got mad. I got terribly mad. I yelled at the Lorex. Now listen here, Dad. All you do is yap yap and say bad, 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 bad. Well, I have my rights, sir, and I'm telling you. I intend to go on doing just what I do. And for your information, you Lorax, I'm figuring on biggering and biggering and biggering and biggering, turning more truffle trees into thneeds, which everyone, everyone, everyone needs. And at that very moment, we heard a loud whack. From outside in the fields came a sickening smack of an axe on a tree. Then we heard the tree fall, the very last truffle tree of them all. No more trees, no more needs, no more work to be done. So in no time, my uncles and aunts, everyone, all waved me goodbye, then jumped into my cars and drove away under the smoke smugger stars. Now all that was left beneath the bad smelling sky was my big empty factory, the Lorax and I. The Lorax said nothing, just gave me a glance, just gave me a very sad, sad backward glance as he lifted himself by the seat of his pants. And I'll never forget the grim look on his face when he heisted himself and took leave of this place through a hole in the smog without leaving a trace. And all that the Lorax left here in this mess was a small pile of rocks with one word, unless. Whatever that meant, well, I just couldn't guess. That was long, long ago, but each day since that day, I've sat here and worried and worried away. Through the years, while my buildings have fallen apart, I've worried about it with all of my heart. But now, says the oncelet, now that you're here, the word of the Lorax seems perfectly clear. Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. So, catch, calls the oncelet. He lets something fall. It's a truffle seed. It's the last one of all. You're in charge of the last of the truffle seeds and truffle trees are what everyone needs. Plant a new truffle, treat it with care. Give it clean water and feed it fresh air. Grow a forest, protect it from axes that hack. Then the Lorax and all of his friends may come back. The end. These next two books are from a series by Marissa Vestita called Baby Dinosaurs, Four Friends, and Their Jurassic Adventures. This one is called A Toothbrush for Rex. There are some scary roars echoing throughout the forest this morning. It's Rex, the Tyrannosaurus. But why is he crying? Poor thing, he has a stick stuck in his teeth. It must really hurt. 
We've got to help him, says Bronto. But he and Trixie don't know what to do. Terry does, though. She flies up and, using her long beak, Terry pulls the stick out of Rex's mouth and he immediately feels better. Ah, what a relief. But his friends have something important to tell him. You need a big toothbrush for your little teeth. Wash them, scrub them, brush them. Or they won't ever become strong. And your mouth will always smell bad. I promise I'll brush my teeth really, really well, says Rex with a big smile. Well done, baby dinosaurs. Thanks to you, Rex's teeth will grow to be big and sparkling white, just like his dad's. Our next story is called Terry's First Flight. Today is a very special day. Baby Terry will try to fly for the very first time. Her friends are happy, but she is a little worried. I don't want to fly. The truth is, she's a little scared of heights. Don't worry, we're right here, Rex assures her. We'll do it together. Let's close our eyes and take a deep breath. Now, let's open our arms as wide as we can. Wider, wider, and then we jump. Are you ready? One, two, three, go. Terry squeezes her eyes shut, concentrates really, really hard, and does a perfect jump. Look. She's circling in the air, happy and sure of herself. Well done, baby dinosaurs. Thanks to you, Terry has found her courage. Next story is called The Pokey Little Puppy by Janet Sebring Lowry. Five little puppies dug a hole under the fence and went for a walk in the wide, wide world. Through the meadow they went, down the road, over the bridge, across the green grass, up the hill, one after another. And when they got to the top of the hill, they counted themselves. One, two, three, four. One little puppy wasn't there. Now where in the world is that pokey little puppy, they wondered. For he certainly wasn't on top of the hill. He wasn't going down the other side. The only thing they could see going down was a fuzzy caterpillar. He wasn't coming up the side. The only thing they could see coming up was a quick green lizard. But when they looked down at the grassy place near the bottom of the hill, there he was, running around and round, his nose to the ground. What is he doing? The four little puppies asked one another. And down they went to see, roly-poly, pell-y-mell, tumble-bumble, Till they came to the green grass and there they stopped short what in the world are you doing they asked i smell something said the pokey little puppy then the four little puppies began to sniff and they smelled it too rice pudding they said and home they went as fast as they could go over the bridge up the road through the meadow under the fence and there sure enough was dinner waiting for them with rice pudding for dessert but their mother was greatly displeased. 
So you're the little puppies who dig holes under fences, she said. No rice pudding tonight. And she made them go straight to bed. But the pokey little puppy came home after everyone was sound asleep. He ate up the rice pudding and crawled into bed as happy as a lark. The next morning, someone had filled the hole and put up a sign. The sign said, don't ever dig holes under this fence. But the five little puppies dug a hole under the fence just the same and went for a walk in the wide, wide world. Through the meadow they went, down the road, over the bridge, across the green grass, and up the hill, two and two. And when they got to the top of the hill, they counted themselves. One, two, three, four. One little puppy wasn't there. Now where in the world is that pokey little puppy, they wondered, for he certainly wasn't on top of the hill. He wasn't going down the other side. The only thing they could see going down was a big black spider. He wasn't coming up the side. The only thing that they could see coming up was a brown hop toad. But when they looked down at the grassy place near the bottom of the hill, there was the pokey little puppy, sitting still as a stone with his head on one side and his ears cocked up. What is he doing? The four little puppies asked one another. And down they went to see roly-poly, pell-a-mell, rumble-bumble, till they came to the green grass, and there they stopped short. What in the world are you doing? they asked. I hear something, said the pokey little puppy. The four little puppies listened, and they could hear it too. Chocolate custard, they cried. Someone is spooning it into our bowls. And home they went as fast as they could go, over the bridge, up the road, through the meadow, under the fence. And there, sure enough, was dinner waiting for them with chocolate custard for dessert. But their mother was greatly displeased. So you're the little puppies who will dig holes under fences, she said. No chocolate custard tonight. And she made them go straight to bed. But the pokey little puppy came home after everyone else was sound asleep. And... He ate up all the chocolate custard and crawled into bed as happy as a lark. The next morning, someone had filled the hole and put up a sign. The sign said, don't ever dig holes under this fence. But in spite of that, the five little puppies dug a hole under the fence and went for a walk in the wide, wide world. Through the meadow they went, down the road, over the bridge, across the green grass, and up the hill, two and two. And when they got to the top of the hill, they counted themselves. One, two, three, four. One little puppy wasn't there. Now where in the world is that pokey little puppy, they wondered. For he certainly wasn't on top of the hill. He wasn't going down the other side. The only thing they could see going down was a little grass snake. He wasn't coming up this side. The only thing they could see coming up was a big grasshopper. But when they looked down at the grassy place near the bottom of the hill, there he was, looking hard at something on the ground in front of him. What is he doing? The four little puppies asked one another. And down they went to see roly-poly, pelly-melly, tumble-bumble, till they came to the green grass, and there they stopped short. What in the world are you doing? They asked. I see something, said the pokey little puppy. The four little puppies looked, and they could see it too. It was a ripe red strawberry growing there in the grass. Strawberry shortcake, they cried. 
and home they went as fast they could, over the bridge, up the road, through the meadow, under the fence. And there, sure enough, was dinner waiting for them with a strawberry shortcake for dessert. But their mother said, so you're the little puppies who dug that hole under the fence again. No strawberry shortcake for supper tonight. And she made them go straight to bed. But the four little puppies waited till they thought she was asleep. And then they slipped out and filled up the hole. And when they turned around, there was their mother watching them. What good little puppies, she said. Come have some strawberry shortcake. And this time, when the pokey little puppy got home, he had to squeeze in through a wide place in the fence. And there was his four brothers and sisters licking the last crumbs from their saucer. Dear me, said his mother, what a pity you're so pokey. Now the strawberry shortcake is all gone. So pokey little puppy had to go to bed without a single bite of shortcake, and he felt very sorry for himself. And the next morning, someone had put up a sign that read, No desserts ever, unless puppies never dig holes under this fence. Again. That's a wrap for this one, folks. Thank you so much for checking out our Stories Edition episodes. If you have a story you'd like us to read, send us an email to info at departmentpodcast.ca or connect with us on Twitter at departmentpod. We'll be bringing you more stories very shortly. In the meantime, stay safe. And hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.